podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two footed podcast on Monday, the 23rd of May, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Go to LibertyShield.com and use the code EPL25. That's EPL25 to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out both the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. The Premier League season is over. And congratulations to Manchester City on winning their fourth title in five years, their sixth title of the Premier League era. With a 3-2 victory over Aston Villa yesterday, they confirmed themselves as champions. City went two down, Maddie Cash and Phil Coutinho scoring the goals for Villa to give Liverpool hope that they could potentially snatch the title away. But Ilke Gundogan, Rodri and then Gundogan again Three goals in five minutes gave City the win they needed to confirm themselves as Premier League champions. Good win for City, obviously. Anytime you win a game and win the title, it's a good win. Villa, though, caused them quite a few problems, and Ollie Watkins really could have had at least one, if not two, goals. He caused City a ton of problems with his strength and his pace and his movement. You'd look at that and say, for next season, Villa need to build more around Watkins and potentially just get someone up next to him who's more clinical in front of goal. Gerard made a mistake in taking Coutinho off and bringing on Nakamba because what Villa needed at that moment was to be able to retain the ball. Once City got that first goal, that was it, game over. City just ran over them. And to be fair, after the second Gundogan goal, which put them 3-2 up, they could have scored a couple more. City know they've got Haaland coming in. They need some more depth in defence. I think it's fair to say they need at least one more fullback. They'll have to find a Fernandinho replacement in terms of that squad player in midfield. But all things considered... City will be very happy with their Premier League campaign. But overall, again, it is sort of a failed season in the respect of their their goal. The goal of the entire club is to win the Champions League. And they've fallen short there again. So I think they will refocus on that next season. And maybe that opens the door for Liverpool in the Premier League race. 
Liverpool won yesterday as well, beating Wolves 3-1. Wasn't a particularly good performance. They made it much more difficult than they had to. Pedro Neto put Wolves one up on three minutes. A mistake by Canate. Jimenez got in behind, crossed it across, and Neto tapped home from short distance. Uh, Sadio Mane equalised on 24 after a brilliant little flick by Thiago. Mo Salah and Andy Robertson with late goals to give Liverpool the win. But by that point, City had already gotten ahead of Villa and had the title in hand. At no point yesterday were Liverpool top. At no point since week six of the season have Liverpool been top. So any suggestions that Liverpool lost the title or threw the title away are nonsense. The title was always in City's hands. If Liverpool had won the title, it would have been because City bottled it. Unfortunately for Liverpool, City did not. The Reds will know where their issues are. They've got to get better in midfield. They've got to get more powerful in midfield. And they could probably do with a refresh in that front three as well. The old front three, Salah, Mane, Firmino. Salah was incredible first half of the season and has tailed off. Though his numbers, in terms of non-goal numbers, creativity and all the rest, all almost identical. To the first half of the season, the goals just haven't been there. Mane has scored a lot of goals this season, but isn't the same player he was two years ago. He might be the one who goes because he'll have substantial value on the transfer market. Uh, Firmino at this point is a squad player. Now, they may look to move him on. He's got a year left in his contract like Salah and Mane. If they're going to renew two of them, from a footballing point of view, it probably makes more sense to renew Salah and Mane and sell Firmino, but from a costing point of view, it might make more sense to renew Firmino and sell one of the other two, particularly Mane. Uh, So we'll wait and see what happens there. Liverpool have this morning confirmed the signing of Fabio Carvalho from Fulham for an initial fee of five million with a further 2.7 million in add-ons. Fulham also have a 20% sell-on clause included in 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 the deal. It's a great signing for Liverpool. He had an outstanding season in the championship and he was absolutely key to Fulham getting promoted back into the Premier League with 10 goals and eight assists. So he's a good addition for Liverpool and they should be excited about that. Liverpool obviously won two cups and have a Champions League final to come. So their season isn't over and their season is a runaway success, regardless of what happens. To bring a quadruple to the final day of the Premier League season is an incredible achievement. And that's all there really is to say about it. We'll run around the rest of the games. Manchester United finished off their embarrassing season with a 1-0 defeat away to Crystal Palace. Will Zaha on 37 minutes. Outstanding assist by Bruno Fernandes. Uh, Played a completely blind pass that found Zaha. He made Delow look poor. And finished past De Gea. A good win for Palace. A win that they'll be very, very pleased about because they don't beat United very often. Palace finished the season in 12th, which, you know, is a slight improvement from the usual 13th. United finished the season in 6th with 58 points and a zero goal differential. 57 scored, 57 conceded. That's embarrassing at both ends. 12 defeats on the season, that's embarrassing. The worst season United have ever had 
in the Premier League. Arsenal 5, Everton 1. Everton's mortification of a season comes to a close with a spanking at the Emirates. Gabriel Martinelli with a penalty on 27. Eddie Nketiah on 31. Donny van de Beek pulled him back with a tap-in just before half-time. But Cedric Soares, Gabriel Magalhães and Martin Odegaard wrapped up a comprehensive win for the Gunners. Arsenal finished the season in fifth. They'll be disappointed because top four was in their hands and they bottled it. But fifth is better than the eighth they've had the last two seasons. We'll see how they do next season with European football to contend with. Uh, They're going to have to make serious additions to that squad. And I mean numbers-wise as well as quality-wise because that squad is far too small to try and deal with European football on top of Premier League football. uh, Everton... 16th, 16th, uh, conceded 66 goals on the season, minus 24 goal difference, lost 21 games, which only the bottom two, Watford and Norwich, were worse in that regard. Uh, Quite an embarrassing season for Everton, really, and the pain doesn't stop here because there's a lawsuit incoming from Burnley. There's a, a likely points deduction incoming from the Premier League for their flagrant breaking of the financial fair play rules and Frank Lampard is still going to be their manager. So, you know, PE teachers and all that. Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin are probably off. So for Everton, I do think the pain is going to mount. I don't think this is a one-off season. I think next season they're going to need to batten down the hatches as well because I think they're in front of the relegation scrap. Uh, but look, they stayed in the Premier League this season. And that's all they'll really care about. Chelsea 2, Watford 1. Chelsea had a bit of a damn squib of a season and the game itself was a bit of a damn squib. Kai Havertz put them one up on 11 minutes, uh, tapping home across from Kennedy, who I'd forgotten existed. Dan Gosling equalised for Watford on 87 minutes and Ross Barkley scoring on 91 minutes with a header that I thought Daniel Backman should have saved uh, to give Chelsea the win. Great to see Ben Chilwell come back. Uh, That's a big boost for Chelsea. Means nothing, obviously, for this season, but it means he'll get a full pre-season and be ready to go next year. The final appearance for Chelsea for Antonio Rudiger. Potentially the last appearance for Aspilicueta as well. And we'll wait and see, obviously, what happens with a couple of other players there. But big question marks over Chelsea going into the summer. Disappointing season without question to finish 19 points off top, 18 off second place. That's that's just unacceptable for that squad. And their home form over this past six months has been terrible. So a lot of work to do there. Not going to have the money that Roman used to give them to spend. Going to have to be a lot smarter moving forward. We'll wait and see what happens. For Watford relegation, but look, there are positives here. Hodgson's gone. You never need to see him again. You've got your new manager lined up. You know what you're doing. You're going to lose some players this summer. You're going to lose Dennis. You're going to lose Sar. You might lose Hernandez. You might lose Jeb Pedro. So recruitment is going to be key. But the Premier League will not be any worse off without Roy Hodgson. Uh, Let me just say that. Moving on. Leicester 4, Southampton 1. 
James Madison put Leicester one up on 49. Jamie Vardy made it two on 74. James Ward-Prowse scored a penalty on 79 to give Southampton some hope. But Aosi Perez on 81 and 96 wrapped up the win for Leicester. Leicester end up finishing eighth in the Premier League, despite what was a very, very poor season. Proof positive that the Premier League table does lie is Leicester finishing above Brighton and Wolves, both of whom, excuse me, both of whom have been better than them this season. Newcastle finishing above Crystal Palace, another example of this. You can look a bit higher and Man United over West Ham. I mean, nobody can make a real argument that United have been better than West Ham this season. But when you're competing on multiple fronts, sometimes that happens. Or sometimes you just have a bad run of form that calls you, which was the case for Wolves. It's why they dropped from 8th, which looked certain, to 10th. They've been dreadful the last couple of months, and they end up with 17 defeats, which really isn't good. But congrats to Leicester. Big win. Impressive performance. Finally got their goal difference to a positive stance, which is nice. But a lot of work for Rodgers this summer, if if he survives. If he survives. Uh, Brentford 1, Leeds United 2. Leeds confirming their status as a Premier League club for another season. Rafinha's penalty on 56 put them ahead. Sergi Canos equalized on 78 to make it tense and then collected the stupidest red card that anyone has ever gotten. He got a yellow card for taking his shirt off after scoring a goal. Why he took his shirt off, I don't know. Because it's not like it was an important goal. Brentford were not going to win anything by them scoring. Uh, All it did was equalize against Leeds. He takes his shirt off in quite a deliberate fashion as well. Like It wasn't like he whipped it off in a moment of passion. He sort of ran, looked like he didn't really know what to do, and then took it off as if, well, I don't know what to do to celebrate, so I'm going to take my shirt off. And then within 90 seconds, he's getting a second jello card for a stupid tackle on Rafinha, and off he goes. You'd have to question the logic there. You really would have to question the logic. He's only he'd only come on as a sub as well, which made it worse. Um, just really, really foolish, really, really foolish. And the thing to remember here is Brentford were already down to ten men. They'd made their three substitutions, and Christopher Iyer got hurt in a tackle with Calvin Phillips, went down and couldn't continue. So off he went. They've got 10 men, they fight the way back into it, get it to 1-1, and then Canos does that. What a clown. Uh, but Jack Harrison, with a 94-minute winner, a deflected shot that found its way into the bottom corner, guarantees leads the win. And news obviously had come through to them that Burnley were losing at home to Newcastle. So Callum Wilson had put Newcastle one up from the penalty spot on 20. He'd made a two on 60. Max Cornet had scored on 69 to give Burnley some hope. But Burnley couldn't find that second goal. Burnley are down. Leeds are safe. Just about. Incredible to stay up with a goal difference of minus 37. It's I think it's the second worst goal difference any team has ever survived with 
in Premier League history. To concede 79 goals and survive is nothing short of miraculous, to be honest. If we look back over the last couple of seasons, like, so let's see. Norwich conceded 84 goals. 84 goals, my God. Uh, minus 61 goal difference for Norwich. Congratulations. That is truly special. So last season, last season, West Brom had the worst goal, uh, the worst defensive record in the league at conceding 76. They went down. The season before, it was Norwich, 75. They went down. Season before that, uh, 81 for Fulham and 76 for Huddersfield. Bournemouth conceded 70 and somehow stayed up, but they did score 56 goals. Uh, so 17, 18, worst defensive records, uh, 68 goals conceded West Ham and Stoke. Stoke went down, West Ham stayed up, but West Ham did score quite a few goals. 16-17, Swansea conceded 70 and stayed up. Hull conceded 80 and went down. That was with the team at Robertson and Maguire. Imagine how bad the other two defenders must have been. <laughs> not that Maguire is great, but he, he's not bad. Um, Villa conceded 76 in 15-16 and went down. And in 14-15, QPR with 73. Nobody nobody in the last eight years has conceded as many goals as Leeds and stayed up. Uh, It's a fair effort. It really is a fair effort. Um, Burnley had a goal differential that was 18 better than Leeds and still went down. There's a good piece in The Athletic today about sort of the behind the scenes at Burnley. Uh, do give that one a read if you are an Athletic subscriber. Very, very disappointing. It does look for leads like Brendan Aronson, the young American from Salzburg, could find his way there this summer now that they have secured their place in the Premier League for next season. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with Calvin Phillips and Rafinha. I get the feeling that with Leeds in the Premier League, Phillips will stay. Rafinha, I, I think, possibly leaves, but it'll all depend on offers. Now, w- without that relegation release clause, Leeds are going to want huge money for him, like 60 million type of money, I reckon. And I don't know what the market for him is, is going to be. I, I'd love him at Liverpool, but we wouldn't pay that kind of money for him. So maybe he sticks around. And if he does... It's another piece for Jesse Marsh to build with. They've got a lot of work to do, though. I've been over their squad before. A lot of championship-level players, a lot of kids. They've got to get more Premier League-caliber players into that team. There are some. They need more. Uh, Moving on, then. Brighton 3, West Ham 1. A good final day victory for Brighton. Uh, Mikel Antonio scored an absolute worldie on 40 Joel Veltman equalised on 50, Pascal Grouse scored on 80, and Danny Welbeck on 92 to give Brighton a final day win and ninth place in the Premier League. 
Brighton finishing in the top half. Massive achievement. Graham Potter has done a great job there. I think when the next time uh, one of the bigger jobs in the Premier League, and I'd include Leicester in that uh, because it's a very, very good team. The next time one of those jobs opens up, I think it's going to be Graham Potter's name who's front and centre for that job. Uh, Guy is just telling me now that John Percy in the Telegraph is reporting that Mikel Arteta wants to sign Yuri Thielemans. This is a deal that's been um, mentioned for a while now. I have to say, if I was Leicester, I'd be saying, you give us Saliba, you can have our, you can have Thielemans. That's the deal. We want Saliba, you get Thielemans. Because I think Saliba next to Fafana, they know each other, they came through it at St. Etienne together, they've played together. I think those two together would give Leicester a real foundation to build from, especially with James Justin fully fit next season as one of the fullbacks. I'd be looking to move on Ricardo Pereira while he's still got some decent value. He hasn't had a good season. I think you can get good value from this summer. Move him on. Make Justin your first choice right back. Castanier is the backup. I'd probably look to buy a left back. Have Luke Thomas as the backup. Move Bertrand on. I think you keep Sionchu as a third centre-back. You keep Johnny Evans. You might want to look to bring in maybe one more centre-back, someone of a more similar profile to Saliba and Fafana, that kind of tall, rangy type of centre-back, and, and move on Vestigard. We'll go through what people need in more detail over the course of the week, but if I was Leicester, I'd be asking for Saliba. Simple as that. Um, last game then oh disappointing for West Ham that last game though because they miss out on the chance to get Europa League they'll now play Conference League but on the plus side they're probably going to be the favourites in the Conference League next season so that's a plus so they could go and win a European trophy and that would be huge for them and given it's you know Roma in the final this season against Feyenoord it's, it's not exactly two scrubs. It's two big clubs. So it's getting a bit of prestige with the clubs that are taking it seriously. Uh, final game then, Norwich nil, Tottenham 5. Tottenham confirm fourth place and Champions League football for next year. And Norwich go out in embarrassing fashion. Uh, Kulisevsky on 16, Kane on 32. Kulisevsky again on 64, just minutes after he had somehow managed the miss of the season. Uh, Youngman Son on 70 and Son again on 75. Antonio Conte said that finishing fourth with Spurs ranks as one of the best achievements of his career. I think it's I think it's a fair shout, to be honest. I know people laughed at Mourinho when he said finishing second with United was one of his greatest achievements. But the mess that Conte took over, like the mess that Mourinho took over, I think it's a fair go. Um, delighted for Conte. Hopefully he'll stick around now. He said, I am under contract. So fingers crossed he'll commit his future to the club and they'll back him. Uh, they'll finish only three points behind Chelsea, which says more about Chelsea's season than about Spurs' season. But for Spurs to get fourth, especially ahead of Arsenal, I think will be particularly sweet. Um, and look, I, I said it all along. You've got the better manager. You've got the two best players. You should finish above Arsenal. 
And they did. They needed Arsenal to choke, but they still got it done. Uh, so the Premier League fit table finishes as follows. City 1, Liverpool 2, Chelsea 3, Tottenham 4, Arsenal 5, Manchester United 6, Arsenal and United into the Europa League. West Ham 7 into the Conference League. Leicester 8, Brighton 9, Wolves 10. That completes the top half. Newcastle 11, Crystal Palace 12, Brentford 13, Aston Villa 14. They'll be very disappointed by that finish. Very, very disappointed. Pressure will be on Gerrard next season. But Villa have confirmed the signing of Bubakar Kamara on a five-year contract from Marseille on a Bosman free transfer. I'd imagine he's going to get sizable wages. I'd imagine there's a sizable signing on fee. But this is a massive coup for Villa. Massive coup. This is one of the best young holding midfield players in world football. And Villa have gotten him for nothing. They've beaten off Champions League clubs to get him. This is a player that Arsenal could have used. United could have used. Chelsea could have used. West Ham could have used. Villa have done brilliantly to get him. Atletico Madrid were seen as favourites at one point. I think Gerrard's had a big involvement in getting this signing done. And if this is a sign of things to come for Villa, you should be very excited if you're a Villa fan. Because this is a big signing. This is a quality player who will add leadership, organisation, ball winning, intelligence and versatility to that Villa team. He can play all across the back line or as a holding midfielder. He's a born leader. It's a great signing for Villa. 22 years of age as well. Worst case scenario, you're going to sell him in a couple of years for a big profit. Big, big profit. Um, Southampton 15, Everton 16, Leeds 17. That's the teams who stay up. And then Burnley, Watford and Norwich go down. And I don't think we'll be hearing from Burnley again in the Premier League. Not anytime soon. Watford and Norwich will, you know, they'll bounce back. Might not be next year, but it'll be in the next couple of years. Um, coming up, we know we have Fulham. We know we have Brentford. We've got a playoff final to come. Nottingham Forest versus Huddersfield. And that will be the final team for next season's Premier League. The golden boot has been shared between Mohamed Salah and Hyungmin Son. The golden gloves was shared between Alison Becker and Ederson. And the playmaker award goes to Salah. So Salah, joint most goals, most assists. How he's not the player of the year, I don't know. Now, he did obviously win one player of the year so far. How he didn't win the Premier League player of the year, I have no idea. De Bruyne is incredible, but he didn't turn up till Christmas time. And his second half of the season hasn't been as impressive as Salah's first half of the season. So it's, you know, recency bias, I suppose. Um, all things considered, I think a fairly good Premier League season. It's, it's when you look at a situation where all bar three teams lost 11 or more games. I don't know how many good teams you can truly say there are in the league. Like for me, if you're losing almost a third of your games, 
that's a big concern. Tottenham lost 11, Brighton lost 11. United lost 12. Arsenal lost 13. Oh, Crystal Palace also lost 12, like United. Arsenal lost 13. West Ham and Leicester lost 14. Newcastle lost 15. Southampton lost 16. Wolves and Burnley lost 17. Brentford and Leeds lost 18. Villa lost 19. I missed Southampton. They lost 16. Uh, what else have we got? That's that's it. And then we get the last three. Everton lost 21. Norwich 26. And Watford 27. It doesn't scream of a high-caliber league, but it does scream of a very competitive league where a lot of teams can beat each other. But to only have three teams in single-digit defeats while having five teams in single-digit victories, that's a little bit of a concern to me. I'd like to see a bit more balance returned. I'd like to see more defensive capability in this league. Looking at the Premier League defensive records this season, City and Liverpool conceded 26 each. Chelsea conceded 40. Tottenham conceded... Sorry, Chelsea conceded 33. Tottenham conceded 40. Wolves conceded 43. Palace 46. Brighton 44. Arsenal 48. So Arsenal had the seventh best defensive record in the league. If you're conceding 48 goals in a season, if I always think if you concede more than one a game, you don't have a good defense. I think you need to be sub 30 to be a very good defense, and then sub 25 is a great defense. I wouldn't say there was a great defense in the league this year. I thought City and Liverpool were you know, borderline, but they don't quite hit my very strict rules that I hold. Uh but yeah, I mean, to concede 48 goals is, is really, really poor, I think. And then you look below that, United 57, West Ham 51, Leicester 59. No surprise, Rodgers can't coach defence to save his life. Uh, Brighton 44, Wolves 43, Newcastle 62. But so many of them came early in the season, obviously, when you know defensive coach Steve Bruce was there. Uh, Palace 46, Brentford 56. Brentford still scored 48 goals. So that's pretty impressive to only have a, a, a you know negative eight goal differential. Uh, Villa 54, you've got Tyron Mings. What's to be expected? Southampton 67, Everton 66, despite having the world's greatest short-arm goalkeeper. Um, Fleet 79. Say, it's to concede, to concede over two goals a game, that takes... That takes dedication to be bad defensively. And yet, Leeds, Watford and Norwich all managed it. Burnley only conceding 53 and going down. You know, less goals than United, Leicester, Newcastle, Brentford, Villa, Southampton, Everton, and Leeds, eight clubs stayed up with a worse goal different a goal a worse defensive record than Burnley, but only two only one team scored less goals. 
Only Norwich scored less goals. Watford scored the same amount. Such is life. Right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we've got Garth Crook's team of the season to get into. And we've got the gossip. So I will see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So... Garth Crooks has put together his team of the season and he has gone with Alison Becker in goal. I don't think you can really make an argument. Over the course of the season, he has been the best keeper in the league. Jose Sal was great for two thirds of it and then fell off. I don't think there's anyone else that's really worth discussing. At the back, he's gone Rudiger, Van Dijk and Diaz. It hasn't been a vintage season for defenders. I wouldn't have Diaz in mind. I don't think he's had a great season. Um, certainly not by the standards that he set for himself, where last season, obviously, he's the greatest defender that's ever lived. Um, but a lot of City fans will tell you John Stones has been better this season. Um, but, you know, it has been very short. Now, I would have had Romero from Spurs over Rudiger. Rudiger's just too rash for me. I would have had Romero, but... I can understand putting Rudiger in. Uh, he's gone four in midfield. He's gone Trent, De Bruyne, Eriksen, and Canseo. Eriksen only played half the season. Now, I know he did have a massive impact on Brentford. I, I understand that he was outstanding for them in the second half of the season, but he only played half the season. So I'm sorry, having him there is nonsense. Um, De Bruyne, yeah, that's fine. Trent and Canseo, I'm not going to argue with, but you've got to have Bernardo Silva in there rather than Eriksson. I'm sorry, you just do. You've got to have Bernardo Silva. Uh, up front then, he's gone for Son, Mane and Salah. Son and Salah, no doubt. Mane's had a good season. No question about it. Uh, he scored a lot of goals, and since moving into that central area, he has looked... Uh, a much better player than he did kind of for the 18 months previously. Uh, what did he finish with in the league? 16 goals. I mean, Kane didn't turn up till Christmas. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, look, I, I think it's fine. The, the big, big ones, I would say, I would have Romero. Now, it can be over Diaz or Rudiger. I don't really care which, but Romero should be in there. And Bernardo Silva has to be in. Um, it is obviously heavily focused on the top four. It should be. They're, they're the best teams. That means their players have the best seasons. But, you know, there's a couple of other players worth consideration. Bikai Osaka had a great season for Arsenal. Uh, Declan Rice and, and Jared Bowen, obviously very good. Pablo Fernals, excellent for West Ham this season. I thought Basuma had a had an outstanding campaign for Brighton. It'd be really interested to see what happens with him this summer. He's got that legal case hanging over him. So I wonder if that puts clubs off. Uh, Sa, like I mentioned for Wolves, was outstanding. I thought Neves really had a great season as well. Newcastle, second half of the season, 
I thought Emil Kraft was really, really good. Really, really good. But Bruno Gomerich, as as one of the January arrivals, outstanding. Conor Gallagher was great for Palace this season, and they will miss him desperately. Now, I'm sure they'll be looking at replacements. There's a couple of names already been mentioned, like Czech Dukure and John Onana, to come in from Ligue 1. And if they get those two, if they get one or both, if they, I think they should buy both personally. Uh, I think they'd be in great shape. Uh, Brentford, Ericsson, obviously. You know, Ivan Tony's had a very, very good season. For Villa, John McGinn's had a good season. Um, but, you know, when John McGinn's best gets you 14th, that kind of speaks about John McGinn and the rest. Martinez wasn't quite as good this season. Conza wasn't as good. Tyron Ming's dragging down those around him. One of those rare players who makes everybody around him worse. Uh, Southampton, Ward-Prowse had a very good season in terms of set pieces, but in open play, didn't really see anybody that stood out to me. Salisu had moments, but they were moments. He also had moments where he looked very young, very raw. Uh, nobody at Everton deserves any praise. Uh, I'll give praise to Joe Gellhart at Leeds. I thought for a young lad to come into a team with the injuries Bamford has had, and do what he's done has been impressive. Uh, Patrick Bamford, most unlucky player of the year. Um, Burnley went down, but Nathan Collins did all right. That's about it. Dwight McNeil turned up when it was too late. Dwight McNeil, very disappointing season. Uh, Emmanuel Dennis had a good season for Watford, was let down by those around him, and nobody at Norwich should, should be in, you know, even the slightest bit proud of what happened there. But for, for a spell, Omabama Deli and Adam Day looked very, very good. We will leave that there and we will run on to the gossip and get ourselves finished for today. The plan for this week, I think tomorrow I might do my grades for the season uh, on each team and I might pick my team of the year um, or I maybe pick an alternative team of the year as well, like a non top four team of the year and then Wednesday Thursday Friday might take a look at what clubs need to do this summer I might save that for next week we'll, we'll see we'll see if we have if we have a bunch of questions for Thursday I want to do that so I might just make it up as I go along for the rest of the week and then next week maybe take a real look at what clubs need to do this summer because a lot of clubs need a lot of stuff, and uh, I have a feeling it could be a busy enough, a busy enough transfer window. Anyway, on to the gossip. England and Everton striker Dominic Calvert-Lewin expects to leave the club this summer with both Arsenal and Newcastle interested. I think he's about the best striker either of them could get. I think him and Ivan Tony are probably the two most realistic options out there for either of them. Arsenal, I know, have grand ideas, but you're not getting the players you want without Champions League. Kylian Mbappe has agreed deals with both. I haven't talked about this yet. Mbappe staying at Paris Saint-Germain, turning his back on Real Madrid and making the decision to stay at PSG. What an absolute mind blower. I don't blame him. The money involved is too much to turn down. If you can make 500 million euro for three years, you do. You simply do. So I don't blame him in the slightest. I am shocked. I am shocked that he's not going to Real. 
Uh, I think we should all take a moment and laugh at Real, who should have had Haaland and Mbappe, put Haaland off by being so focused on Mbappe, lost him to City, and ended up missing out on Mbappe as well. Masterful. Arsenal are expected to open formal contract talks with Bikayo Saka's representatives at the end of the season and are under pressure to include a release clause. That's not good for Arsenal. Real Madrid are reportedly interested in Ilkay Gundogan. Could make sense if they, you know, look at Tony Cruz at 32 and um, Modric at 36, 37 and say, well, we want someone else in that kind of mould who can run a game for us. A bit more experienced, but doesn't really help with the age thing. Uh, Guardiola wants to keep Gundogan who has one year left on his contract at the club. They can afford for him to run, run out his contract and leave for free, to be fair. Uh, Newcastle United are ruling out a move for Jesse Lingard unless he reduces his £150,000 a week wage demands. Jesse Lingard is everything that's wrong with football in England. Everything that's wrong with it. A bang average player looking for star wages who's been allowed to just stick around at a club, waste his career, really, as a squad player at United, rather than going out and making something of himself at a, at a club where he could have had a real impact. And at 29 now, he's probably missed the best part of his career. So, you know, enjoy your money. You'll get it from somewhere, but what a waste. Uh, Barcelona and France defender Samuel Umtiti has been made available to Arsenal and could move in a loan deal. I've also heard his name mentioned for Chelsea. Liverpool are prepared to listen to offers for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain this summer. Makes sense. Uh, he's fallen well down the pecking order at Anfield. Doesn't even get a look in, to be fair. Uh, it's time for him to move on and, and, you know, see out the best years of his career playing football somewhere. Paul Pogba will move to either Paris Saint-Germain or Juventus when he leaves Manchester United on a free transfer this summer. Juventus looks the one most likely. Still wouldn't rule out Real. There's just something about Real and Pogba and the brand. West Ham want to keep hold of Alphonse Ariola. The 29-year-old could have another season on loan or the Hammers could buy him for 11 million. I think they need to get that deal done and get him locked down as their long-term goalkeeper because Fabianski's days are done. Eddie Howe wants to turn the loan signing of Matt Target into a permanent deal. That's a change of pace because it had looked like they were going to let him go back to Villa with targets from abroad being their main port of focus on the left-back position. But um, to be fair, Matt Target has done pretty well for West Ham this season. Fulham are lining up Ryan Fredericks on a free transfer as their first signing since clinching promotion to the Premier League. When you get promoted to the Premier League, why not sign championship players? That seems to be the approach there. Uh, Fraser Forrester may have played his last game for Southampton with his contract expiring and Tottenham linked. He'll be a really good pickup for anybody with his status as a quota filler. He's a solid backup keeper. You wouldn't want him as your starter, but a solid backup keeper. Barcelona are prepared to sell Spain centre-back Oscar Mangueza in the summer with the Liga side wanting at least €5 million for him. That doesn't make sense. He's worth a lot more than that. 
like he's probably not good enough to be a starter for Barcelona, but he's absolutely good enough to start for a lot of clubs. If I was Brighton, I'd be all over that. Absolutely all over that. Because he's perfect to play in the back three. Absolutely perfect. You get him, Dunk and Webster, with Lamptey and Cucurella, and you've got something there. And he'll obviously know Cucurella as well. They were together at Barcelona. So if I was Brighton, I would be absolutely all over that, especially that price. That's ridiculous. Tottenham are one of a host of clubs looking at Brennan Johnson. Everybody is looking at Brennan Johnson for this summer. But if Forrest come up, he's staying put. Spurs are looking into signing Ivan Perisic, who's at a contract. He wants to go to Juventus. Apparently, if he does leave Inter, there's a possibility he stays at Inter. He's worked with Conte before, though. So if he's willing to leave England, Conte is probably the, the one who'll attract him. Um, he's, he's always been a good player. He's a little bit past his best, but he's always been a good player. Manchester United will listen to offers for Brandon Williams this summer. I don't know why. I, I think they should bring him back and, and use him. Uh, it's not like you're blessed with great fullbacks. Pascal Gross and Danny Welbeck are close to signing new contracts at Brighton. As long as they're one-year contracts, it makes, it makes sense. Uh, Bournemouth have decided against signing Todd Cantwell on a permanent deal. He'll get a move somewhere, but things have not gone well for Todd, Cal- Todd Cantwell in the last two seasons. Uh, Arsenal are set to sign Brazilian attacker Marquinhos in a £3 million deal. I haven't seen, seen much of him. What I have seen, I haven't been overly impressed. But you can never judge too much based on short compilations and stuff. I haven't actually watched the guy play a full game. Um, Manchester United and Portugal fullback Diogo Delo has been told he is in Eric Ten Hag's plans. It makes sense. He'd be he like if you if you have him and Brandon Williams as your right backs, you can loan out uh Juan Basaka. You've got Sean Tellez. It's not great. It's not great. But you've got a lot to do and you can put your money elsewhere and then maybe address your fullbacks next summer. Um, Nelson Semedo hopes for a long-term future with Wolves despite a lack of contract talks. Luton and Preston North End are plotting moves for Hull's English goalkeeper Matt Ingram. And Swansea are in advanced talks to sign... Arsenal's English English goalkeeper, Remy Mitchell. Arsenal don't do a good job at holding on to young players. Barcelona coach Xavi has confirmed they are in talks to sign Robert Lewandowski. That one does seem to be gathering steam. Paris Saint-Germain are preparing one final offer for Paul Pogba, but, you, but Juventus are confident he will join them on a three-year deal worth close to £10 million a season. That'll be ten million a season after tax. Arsenal have had a seventy-six million pound bid for Victor Simeon rejected by Napoli. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. Arsenal don't have seventy-six million to spend on one player. Stop being stupid. Um, Newcastle, West Ham, and Southampton are interested in signing Armando Broja, with the twenty-year-old Albania forward also attracting interest from AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Napoli. If uh, if Chelsea have sense, they just keep him. Everton are plotting a move for Levi, Levi Colwell. Uh, if he has sense, he won't go anywhere near that. Um, Tottenham had scouts watching Philippe Kostic, 
and are readying a summer bid, he's a really good player. One of the best crossers in Europe and would make sense. Would make sense. Although, I mean, they do have Regulon and Sessnion in that spot and they're both good players. But maybe Regulon leaves. Uh, Liverpool will offer Saudi Omani a contract extension but have no plans to hand a major pay rise to the 30-year-old, which means they won't get him. Uh, they, will, they won't get him signing a new deal. Uh, Real Madrid will make Aurelien Chouameni from Monaco priority after they missed out on Mbappe. We'll see. Chelsea's manager, Thomas Tuchel, will consider solving his side's goal-scoring problems by signing new forwards. Wow. That's... Wow. What, what an idea. Of course, it's not really what they need to do. They just need to stop playing as defensively. If Chelsea signed better defenders, they will be better going forward because they could play with less defenders and play a more attacking style. Um, Manchester United are aiming to wipe 80 million off their annual wage bill this summer. God, 80 million is more than the wage bill for some clubs. Newly promoted Fulham want talks with Nemanja Matic. Right. Fulham are closing in on the signing of Thomas Strakosha from Lazio. He's a good goalkeeper. Uh, West Ham are stepping up their bid to sign Emmanuel Dennis. He'd be a good signing for West Ham. He would be a good signing. Tottenham want to bring Fraser Forster to the club as backup to Hugo Lloris. Yeah, as long as you get a young goalkeeper who can be your future, that's fine. Newcastle were linked with a move for Hugo Ekatiki in January, but the 19-year-old says the timing wasn't right to leave Reigns. Uh, he's now been linked with Dortmund, and I expect him to go there. Celtic are exploring a move for 23-year-old Argentine left-back Francisco Ortega from Vela Sarsfield. They're also looking at a Norwegian or a Swedish left-back. Um, Inter Milan want even Perisic to agree a new deal. Giorgio Cialini is in talks with LAFC over joining the MLS club in a free transfer. He would have stayed at Juventus for next season, I think, if they if, if Italy had made the World Cup. But since they haven't, he might as well move on. West Ham are looking to sign Keen Lewis Potter from Hull. A couple of other Premier League clubs are as well. Representatives of Sheffield Wednesday midfielder Josh Windus are set for a meeting with officials of Argentine club, Club Atletico Talares, who are managed by his former boss at Rangers. Oh, Pedro Cusena. Um, for a summer move. That would be really weird if Josh Windus went to Argentina. It'd be fair play. It'd be really interesting and brave, but weird. Um, Carlo Ancelotti says Isco will leave the club when his contract expires at the end of the season. Yeah, he's wasted his prime as well. Um, I know he's got a bunch of medals and he's probably very happy with them, but he, he should have been playing football the last few years. Uh, Ricky Puig and Oscar Mingueza are set to leave Barcelona with Samuel Umtiti and Martin Braithwaite. Barca looking to clear the decks and clear off all the dead money they've been carrying, I see. Declan Rice is set to remain at West Ham despite huge interest from Manchester United. Why would he make that move now? Marcus Alonso wants to leave Chelsea after six years. And Barca are in advanced talks over personal terms. Uh, Aurelien Chouameni has agreed personal terms with Liverpool. 
but the Reds still face a fight for the 22-year-old who is attracting interest from Real Madrid. Aston Villa have put Calvin Phillips at the top of their midfield summer transfer target list. Now, I wonder how much that changes based on this morning's news about Kamara. Maybe they want two midfielders. I, I think I think Yves Basuma is a better fit with Bubakar Kamara than Calvin Phillips is, though. That would just be my personal view on it. But if you can get Calvin Phillips, get Calvin Phillips. Uh, Real Madrid are interested in Rafael Leao. That's an interesting one. He's a big, big talent. I think they'll also look at Mane. I think they might even look at Salah. West Ham are making an offer to sign Jesse Lingard. He's going to have to be realistic about his wage demands. Benfica want to sign Bernd Leno from Arsenal. Um, yeah, he wants to leave and he's wanted to leave for a while. So makes sense. Porto are keen to re-sign Alex Tellez from Manchester United. French defender William Saliba wants to stay at Marseille where he's been on loan. Yeah, but it's up to Arsenal, so Arsenal just need to get themselves in gear. Um, Newcastle are working to sign Hugo Wekatike, but he faced competition from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Villa and Camara. Wolves are interested in French for Thomas Henry, who plays in Italy for Venetia. That makes no sense. He's not Portuguese. Uh, Ruben Neves is open to leaving Wolves this summer with Manchester United and Arsenal interested. We'll be curious to see where he goes. The Athletic reporting that Wolves will sign Brendan Aronson this summer after avoiding relegation. Uh, It's by Phil Hay, so it is gospel. Um, It looks like it's $28 million is the fee. So what's that in... Real money, uh, currency converter, uh, so US dollars. But 22.3 million pounds. Uh, very, very talented player. I wonder, could we see a bit of a, an American influx at Leeds now with the... San Francisco 49ers ownership group having such a strong stake in the club and Jesse Marsh. I wonder, is this something that we might see? Um, Just as a matter of interest, let's have a look. Uh, United States men's national team. Uh, Joe Rothwell of Blackburn is drawing interest from Bournemouth and Sheffield United. And Cardiff Aaron talks to sign Derby goalkeeper Ryan Alsop on a free transfer. Anyway, no one cares. Um, let's have a quick gander at the US men's national team. Who else could Leeds look at if they were to bring in uh, some American players? So, Zach Steffen is obviously already on his way. He's already at Man City. Uh, Matt Turner is joining Arsenal. This summer, and Ethan Horvat is at Nottingham Forest. I, I, he's not up to much now from what I've seen. Uh, right, we leave out goalkeepers because there's none really. Um, they could look at Anthony Robinson maybe as another option at left back, though Fulham promoted, they may not, might not sell. Um, Joe Scally 
the right back from Borussia Mönchengladbach could be an option. Could be an option. Um, Serginho Dest, apparently Barcelona are looking to sell. They do need a right back at Leeds, so he could be an option there. Maybe Chris Richards, the centre-back, if if, uh, Bayern don't have plans from next year. There's no other defenders there that will be of interest. Brian Reynolds is a decent young right back. Uh, but he, he didn't make the grade really at Roma, so I'm not really sure. Uh, need, needs more seasoning. Uh, Midfield-wise, though, there's a bunch of options there. So Weston McKenney, allegedly available from Juventus. Tyler Adams maybe could be had from Leipzig. Eunice Musa from Valencia. Would class as a homegrown player as well. Now, he's only 19, so he's below the threshold, but was in the Arsenal Academy for seven years. Grew up largely in England from the age of nine. So he's one they could look. He's a super talent. Um, Who else we got here? James Sands at Rangers, not quite ready yet. McKenny, Adams and Musa are the ones worth really looking at there. Uh, Pulisic will be out of their price range. Um, Timothy Weah hasn't really done the, done the required work at Lille. He hasn't developed. Um, Daryl Dyke not quite ready. Caden Clark, very, very talented. Ricardo Pepe obviously went to went to Augsburg in January. Hasn't hit the ground running. 11 appearances, no goals. Um, not ideal for Augsburg to have spent that much money, but comfortable mid-table finish. They'll be all right. And you'd expect more from next season. I would say the three to watch. If, if Leeds are going to go and sign a couple more Americans, Tyler Adams, who... He's already worked with um, Jesse Marsh, worked with him at New York, worked with him at, at Leipzig. He's going to be one. Eunice Musa, from a talent point of view, would be the one definitely to look at. And then I think you'd have to look at uh, Weston McKenney as well. Anyway, that'll do me for today, folks. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Podcast Network.